G'day everyone, the Bible Bloke here. Thanks for joining me. It's great to have you along. And for the first time this year, welcome to all that God has in store for 2022. Holidays are great, aren't they? A time to settle back and relax, recharge the batteries for the year to come. The problem is, it is really difficult to get things moving again. You know, you have to get back up and get back into it, but, well, it's kind of rather too nice sitting and reading and napping, having a bit of a sleep in in the morning. When the Bible verse about early to bed and early to rise springs to mind, I have to confess to being a bit grouchy about the concept. But the new year needs to start rolling forward. There are things to do. So grab your Bibles and let's get stuck in. There is something to be said for sitting down and taking stock of what has been, the year that has finished. What have we achieved? What haven't we done as we'd have liked? Places we went. Places we didn't go. People we spent time with. People we wanted to spend time with, but for whatever reason weren't able to. People who are no longer with us, that we remember with fondness and with deep sadness. We have done Christmas, we've put all the wrapping paper in the recycle bin, maybe packed the tree away, maybe not, ours is still up. Maybe Boxing Day you settled in to watch the cricket, maybe, like me, you settled on the sofa to watch the start of the Sydney to Hobart yacht race. And then there is a big pause. There is still some of the year left. It's a few days before New Year's Eve. There is a yawning gap. Then all of a sudden, we are looking at a new year. Yo, beauty, this year is going to be better than the old one. Good riddance, 2021, you sucked. I have never lived through a year that sucked more than 2021. Well, excluding 2020, that is. But hang on a sec. What about a couple of years ago when? And what about when? And there are lots of things that we can think of that are negative. And we find that the negative has just heaved whatever good might have happened out the proverbial window. Before we know it, we have given in to that part of human nature that likes to see the glass as half empty rather than half full. In fact, my glass has a big crack in it, and every time I pour something into it, it leaks everywhere. You could always throw the glass out and give a moment of thanks that the glass served you well all those times you drank from it before it was cracked. You can then go to the cupboard, take out a new glass, fill it up, and once again give thanks that you have a glass to replace the old, broken one. But then you couldn't whinge about it, could you? It's an interesting fact that pretty much the first word a baby learns is, no. It's what we hear from the very beginning. No, don't do that. Don't touch it. Don't. More than often than not, mum or dad doesn't explain why, if you touch that, you'll burn yourself. I guess as grown-ups and as parents, we figure that our child's cognition isn't developed enough at that stage to benefit from the flow of language washing over him or her. A study by Vaish, Grossman and Woodward that goes by the wonderful title of Not All Emotions Are Created Equal, The Negativity Bias in Social Emotional Development, suggests that something called event-related brain potentials, or ERPs, measure higher in control groups 
who are shown ostensibly neutral pictures that have an aspect of negative content. These ERPs are less in those pictures that have a positive content. Interesting. The report goes on to say, and I quote, Adults are far more attentive to and much more influenced in most psychological domains by negative rather than positive information. End quote. This means that as adults we have a negativity bias. I should note here that in this study they define negative as being something that has undesirable, harmful or unpleasant outcomes, whereas positive is something that is desirable, beneficial or pleasant. Around the age of one, when children are starting to gain some independent locomotion and set about exploring their environment, you know what happens, they get up and they start going, in an environment jam-packed full of things that are new and strange and ambiguous, they constantly check back with mum or dad for frames of reference in how they should or shouldn't interact with the object or situation encountered. Developmentally, there is a lot going on. These super-hungry little brains are learning how to. Now, here is one of those duh moments. Guess what? The report found that, quote, infants were found to behave as predicted. They interacted more with ambiguous stimuli if they had received positive messages than if they had received negative messages from the adult, end quote. Yep, and I could have told them that for free. In the Garden of Eden, we have the original negative stimulus. The implication when we read the relevant passages in Genesis is that God did not want us to know what evil is. He only wanted us to know what good is. Why? Was God being selfish about things? Oh right, you want to keep all the knowledge to yourself. You want to keep us in the dark about the interesting stuff. You are holding out on us. I have to pause here a moment. Every good and perfect thing comes from the Lord, and this is true. The full authority of Scripture informs us of that truth. God, having created, looked upon his creation and declared it. Yes, he said it was good. It's an interesting impasse, though, isn't it? If God brought about all things good then why don't we spend more time each day considering what good God has actually rendered? If we think about this whole negative mindset that researchers suggest we are hardwired for, then is it any wonder at all we are capable of any goodness? The consequences of sin are grave indeed. The thing is, God knew what the consequences were. Why do you think he put the prohibition on the fruit of knowledge of good and evil in the first place? It wasn't because he wanted to hold out on us. It's not because he is a wowser. Of course not. It was because he knew, right down to the end of history, what would happen. But more than that, he did not want us to know anything other than good. God knew what the consequences were, and Adam and Eve didn't take his word for it. Come on, guys. Now, here's an interesting thought. God was, is, and always will be motivated by love. It's his absolute nature. God is love. 
I wasn't there, so I can't say, but I would love to ask Adam and Eve, hey, guys, what were you thinking? Seriously, you believe the slimy serpent over the word of God? You were walking with him in the Garden of Eden. You were talking to him. You were in deepest relationship with him. And yet, you put more credence in the question of the serpent than you did in the person, presence, and love of our Father and Creator God. It saddens me to say that in some ways we haven't moved forward on this. We are constantly teetering on the edge of that same question. Did God really say? And the knee-jerk negativity that is built into us from an early age errs on the side of saying no in answer to the question. Of course God didn't say that. Why would he say that? Because if God said that, I would suddenly be accountable to someone other than myself. I would have to admit that free choice isn't free at all, wouldn't I? Ah. I would have to admit that there is such a thing as cause and effect. If I'm going to make choices for me, then I have to consider that my choices might also have some impact on those around me, and that my choice also may have a huge impact on myself, on the way I think and see and feel about who I am as a person. And guess what? God knows that. And that should rattle all of us to the core. You see, God was aware that we all need to be in relationship first and foremost. We need to be in relationship with him. I am empty if I'm not walking with God. Whatever thoughts and feelings I have that are negative, well, they are working against the relationship I have with God himself. I don't know about you, but that scares the stuffing out of me, because if I admit that I, on any level, am saying yes to what that wily serpent is saying, then I'm saying no to God. And that's the kind of thing that brings me to my knees, and so it should. At the end of each and every year, we should not be looking at what didn't go right for us. We should be looking at what went right with God. Yes, there are things that don't work out the way we want them to. Hey, that's life. But are we thinking about God's plan? Are we asking God what his will is for us in the days that we are given to live? Are we seeking God in all things, in every moment he has blessed us with? When we choose to be negative, we are working against the good of God. I prefer to find and rejoice in seeing God's hand in all the things that have gone before. Why? Even if things don't happen according to my will, I know they are happening according to his. And he has a much better plan than I could ever imagine. As 2022 starts to unfold with all its dramas, challenges, worries, concerns, look first, look always to our Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that we have been given these moments to share with him and draw closer to him and be with him even as we live the life he has given us to live, to know and enjoy his great and a wonderful love. How incredible is that? Friends, be blessed until 
next time.